Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management and veteran services, veteran employment, military spouses, vet spouses, all things veteran-related, and we're going to have three fantastic guests with us today. Before we jump into the show, I also want to let everybody know, especially here in the Phoenix area, April 19th this year, VPMMA, the Veteran Project Manager Mentoring Alliance, a nonprofit organization, is going to be hosting our first annual golf event at the Legacy Golf Club here in Phoenix. Uh, It's $95 per golfer, and that includes the golfing as well as lunch afterwards. So we're looking for sponsors and golfers who want to come out, enjoy a fun day of golf, and do it to raise funds for a great nonprofit organization that's helping veterans get into civilian project management careers. Also, the day before that is Pat's Run. So I'm sure all of you listeners out there have already registered for Pat's Run this year. I know I have. Hopefully I can run the whole way this year. We'll see. But we want to try to make it a great weekend. Come out and support uh, the Tillman Foundation and Pat's Run on Saturday the 18th, and then come out and do some golfing on Sunday the 19th. So let's get to our show today. I'm so excited to have with us guests Candy Tillman, Tara Thresh, and Craig Jones. Welcome all. Thank you, Thank Joe. Thank you. Candy, if you want to take a moment just to introduce yourself to our listeners and let them get to know you a little better. Awesome. Hi, everybody. I'm Candy Tillman. You know, the simplest way that I could maybe introduce myself in this forum is just to say, I am the spouse of a veteran that for two years struggled to find work. And so with 20 years of corporate experience and lots of love for many veterans and seeing what the the transition process looks like to civilian work, this is really what drives me. And so for us all, how do we take advantage of this incredibly skilled talent force and help them translate those skills into civilian work. I think that project management gives us a really, really strong opportunity to leverage. Awesome. Thank you so much. Welcome today as well. And Tara, how about you? Yeah. Hi, I'm Tara Thrash. Candy said it so well, but um, just a little bit about me. I am actually currently serving in the Air Force. I'm in security forces. I've been in the Air Force for the last 15 years. I did uh, five and a half Uh, years active duty. And then when I got off active duty, I actually stayed as a DOD civilian, which most people don't realize is that when you think that you get out and you become a DOD, it's just like the military. So I thought I was a civilian, but you're not really a civilian until you leave that whole sector. Um, And then I got hired with USAA, which I've been there for the last nine years, which I love. And um, I'm just really interested in helping veterans and letting them know you can achieve big things. I have a two-year-old daughter, an eight-year-old stepson, and then on the sides, I actually coach competitive cheer. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And Craig Jones. All right. Hello, everyone. Craig Jones. I think uh, not to to bore anybody, I'll keep it simple with really uh, three things that I think could best describe myself. Uh, Number one, I'm I'm a U.S. Marine, uh, served for just about six years until I was uh, pretty severely injured um, and and separated. Actually, this year is a decade ago. Unbelievable, really. Um, You know, the the time really does go pretty quick. 
I'm also a program and project management professional. Uh, I think it was, uh, as we'll, we'll have this discussion today, that was an easy transition to that, into that field, I should say, not, not necessarily into the civilian workforce. Um, and then military ac- uh, advocate. So uh, there's, there's so much help uh, that our veterans need, that our military spouses need. Um, and I'm, I'm joined by two great ladies who uh, are, are very deep within those, those different uh, segments as well and helping out. Um, and we're all here to help others. So looking forward to this great conversation. Uh, and all ready for it. Yeah, thanks, Craig. And what's great for me is I actually got to meet all three of you at the same event I guess about two months ago or so. Yep. USAA had hosted a, a suite at the local NASCAR event, and we were all in there as USAA was honoring veterans that day and got to meet uh, Jesse Awuji. Hope I said that right, Jesse. Close enough. And we got a great tour of the facility and uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes tour. It was a fantastic event. So thank you to USAA for all that. And then, of course, I got to meet all of you, so it was even better. So let's jump into it. Let's uh, start talking about some project management and veteran stuff. And I, I think maybe start off, Craig, where you left off and your, your intro there is that transition from active duty to be, you're become a veteran and then what's next, right? What, how does that happen today? That is the, the number one question, right, for, for all of us is, is what's next, right? Uh, you know, I, I think regardless of the situation, uh, our service members uh, don't get enough time and don't put enough thought about uh, behind, uh, you know, going out there and thinking, you know, what's, what's next for me? Um, I think my particular situation is a good example of that because uh, I was abruptly, uh, you know, thrown off the track that that I had planned on uh, without having that backup plan, right? Uh, which which is very important, you know, something that I advocate for, and I know, you know Tara's coached to it. Uh, Candy, you've probably coached to it as well. Is you know, you, you got to really start uh, at the beginning. You know, when you, when you enter service, you know, what what's your end game? You know, how, how do you how do you get out of that? You know, tomorrow's not guaranteed for us to even be here, let alone to be in, you know, the job or, uh, you know, doing what, whatever we happen to be doing. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's just really important to have that plan. Um, and it all goes back and you'll hear me probably say this a ton, uh, throughout this show here about relationships. Uh, it's building those relationships, uh, building that support system so that when you find yourself in whatever situation, whether it's within your control, out of your control, planned for, not planned for, uh, you can easily move through that. Um, I think we probably have come a long way, uh, correct me if I, I'm wrong, you know, by providing the different resources and, uh, you know, folks like myself and, and Tara and Candy and, and many, many others who proactively reach out to our service members uh, and military spouses. We don't want to forget that um, and, and help them build those further relationships, connect them to their communities where they may not, not, not have grown up there. And some folks, uh, you know, they, they come maybe, the, you know, Phoenix area here was their last duty station. Uh, they don't really have any any roots around here, uh, but for one reason or another, maybe they want to stay here or have to stay here. Um, how can we proactively go out there, reach out to them, bring them into the family, uh, you know, the veteran family, the the business community family, uh, and, and really help them uh, take a look at some of these, help them have that plan. Uh, you know, for myself, I, I didn't have that. I, you know, relationship building wasn't uh, on top of my list. Uh, it wasn't something that you know I was really spun up on, and I got out. Uh, luckily, you know, at the time I, I didn't have to go right into a, a job. Uh, I took some time and, and went to school, uh, and, and really, you know, from that point forward, you know, started working on that. Hey, you know, let's, you know, building these relationships, being part of the community, doing those different things, uh, which led me down my path that, that I'm on now. What I'm wondering is I, you know, I 
I didn't serve, right? So if I, I don't have context, so I try to put it into the context I'm familiar with, which is college, right? It's that, mm-hmm. that time before my career. And in college, they have counselors that are preparing you in career services organizations within the college, helping you for your career afterwards. Do any of the military branches have those sorts of services for the transition? They do. I mean, the, yeah. the short answer is yes. Uh, and those programs have come a long way as well, uh, probably, you know, definitely in the 10 years that, that I've been out. Um, and I think getting even more traction uh, as we realize what, what they actually need, right? Um, I think when I did that, um, what I actually needed wasn't available there. Um, and I don't know if that's the popular or unpopular opinion, but that's, that's my opinion that services I needed were just, just weren't there for that. Yeah. But like I said, we've, we've come a long way and I think. Yeah, I mean, the TABS program really has come a long way. There's, there are, I think, you know, in general, part of it is there are so many programs. And I think that service members and veterans are sometimes confused as to which ones to leverage and how to best leverage them. I also see the same thing on the employer front with my corporate partners, which is sometimes There are so many avenues for us to reach out with our hiring processes. What are the right ones? I think there is, you know, the DOD SkillBridge program has come so far in just a few years. And this is an opportunity for service members their last 180 days to go do internships in a corporate environment. This both gives them a really strong industry-driven internship as well as kind of the culture that Craig is talking about of the networking part of it, which is so critical that they may not have gotten through the military. And what's great about SkillBridge as well is the military is still paying the salary. That's right. So the company is essentially getting a free resource for six months. Listen, it is good for business, good for service members all the way around. It's just good. And so, and so, you know, for us, again, and SkillBridge can be used at your ideal location once you get out of the military. Right. So right now there are service members at bases all over the country that guess what? They want to come to Arizona. Right. And we're open for business. We want them. Um, So really there's but I think even there are still so many service members that still aren't aware of this opportunity. And that's one program. Right. There are many more. And so part of it is how do we how do we kind of drive that awareness, drive industry, industry exposure and drive visibility and that and the path. Yeah, I would agree with that because when I transition from active duty to the reserves, my job is security forces. And when you're in a certain type of job, um, you automatically think that that's going to translate into civilian. And for myself personally, I didn't want to be a police officer as a civilian. I wanted to do something else, but I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to do something else. So when I did transition, that DOD skills bridge wasn't there and you did only go to TAPS. And that was a 48 to 72 hour course where they kind of taught you about unemployment and they taught you about using your GI Bill, but they didn't teach you the skills of how to land a corporate job or even say, what is the job that you want to do? It should almost be mandated that you shouldn't get out of the military without having a career goal plan. Because once you do, you kind of get lost because you don't know how to get there. And relationship building is just not one of the skills that we are taught in the military um, because we didn't know, we don't know that it's going to be needed. It's something that we pick up. And I'll say that I just learned that recently within the last 
year. And so I've been working on that, but that's a big transition to go when you're in the military, everything is about the team. How do we get there as a team? How do we get there together to when you transition out of the military? And it's how do I get there? How do I sell myself? How do I let you know that I have the skills? How do I have a conversation with you and let you know that I'm the perfect person for the job because I have all these skills behind me? I think that's a, that's a great point. Uh, I recently read a, a study and I, I can't remember the, the source for it, but it was something like 40 to 60% of veterans after they transition leave that, that first job within the first year. Um, and I think something like the skill bridge really helps them, you know, maybe they go to, you know, XYZ company, you know, very large corporate firm and they, they love it. They say, yes, this is for me. I can see, you know, a few different paths here, or they have the opportunity to say, you know what, this, I I don't like this. I don't like uh, financial services or I don't like construction or, you know, I I don't like, uh, you know, whatever happens to be right. Fill in the blank there. Um, but that, that, that statistics, you know, 40 to 60% of our service members, uh, you know, after transition, don't stay with that particular job more than a year. Um, it's just astounding. Um, and then Candy, I know you can talk to, you know, with military spouses, that's a whole nother subject, right? I mean, that's a, that's a huge, when they're on employment rates near 25%, right? right. And correct me if I'm wrong there. That's right. Uh, that, that's another huge opportunity that we have to, to get them into something. And even why they're still serving with their, their spouse, right? Because uh, I would consider them serving. Absolutely. We, you know, how do we get them something that maybe they can move around and, and do that job, you know, start to build a career so that they're not left at the end of 20 years with, you know, no work experience, you know, having to explain that gap. The service member, you know, him or her does, doesn't have that, uh, you know, has the military on there, doesn't have the plan after. I could leave a family in, in tremendous hardship, have, you know, both folks that, that can't find meaningful employment, right? Uh, something that's going to pay the bills, not just, uh, you know, earning a, a little bit of wages, but something that's really going to carry on their lifestyle. And not even just the financial part of it, but something that is purposeful, right? That that service members and military spouses feel, they, they here's, the, here's the thing, they have signed up for a life of service. They want to make a difference, right? Once Once people that have done that come out of the military, they still want to make a difference. They still want to live a life of purpose. And so it's not just about what is our unemployment number. It's actually pretty, pretty low right now for veterans. But what we should really be asking ourselves, especially to your point, underemployment, like are they in roles that are really, for us as a society, taking advantage of all the skills that they bring to the table? Um, I do want to I do want to talk about um, about military spouses in the context of employment specifically. So to be clear, I'm I'm not a military spouse, um, and there is a nuance that military spouses they have to deal with things like I have to uproot my family because my spouse is changing positions. Um, they have to they have to put their career on the back burner because they're for, if they're only in a location for two or three years, this can be really problematic for their career. So military spouses right now nationally are at 24% unemployment. Interestingly enough, they are overeducated versus the general population. So when you think about that, they're overeducated, they're at 24% unemployment. And then I just heard recently that another 31% of those that are working are working part-time and want to be working full-time. So if you think about that in the context of economic resourcing, this is an amazing group of individuals that are educated, want to be working. 
And so we, as employers and as partners and as communities, have to figure out how do we take advantage of that and get them into meaningful work? I just recently was having a conversation with three very high-ranking military spouses. And one of the things that they articulated is, listen, it's it's relationships back into our community, i.e. the networking piece that they need the most support with, right? And so as we come to talk about networking and mentoring, this is really where every single one of us, whether we served in the military or not, we can take some time to share, hey, this is what I do as a project manager. This is what I do as a civilian working in pre-sales in a technology company. This is what I do working in logistics and finance and accounting. There's so many ways that we can just say, hey, I'll take you to coffee. I'll do a mentoring call. Let me just tell you what I do. This exposure and, and essentially networking, but in the context of true relationships, is where we really can make a difference. As you guys are talking, again, I'm personalizing, and I've got an employee, right, who's a uh, veteran and a military spouse. She she checks both those boxes. Candy's familiar with Amber, right? And her husband's being deployed, and they had to go through a life change and, and go through that. So I understand that pain and trying to help their family move forward with employment for her. And I also think back to VPMMA and how we started uh, our co-founder, Eric Wright, uh, as a veteran, two-tour veteran, and he runs a company, Vets to PM. And he and I had been trying to figure out what we could work on, right? I'm in the corporate world. He's in the veterans uh, world. And he said, you know, the, the challenge we have, Joe, is we're going to train all these veterans to be PMPs, but they don't know anything about the civilian workforce in corporate America. And I said, well, I don't know anything about the veteran services side, but I know everything about being a PM in corporate America. What if my PMs mentored your veterans. And b- bingo, right? The the birth of VPMMA at that point. And I think that that's a great organization, right? I mean, it's you, you saw a, a need that's very significant need and filled that gap. And so I, I, I told you when we walked in, right, I, I just got my uh, approval, if you will, uh, to go ahead and, and go forth and create my profile and, and get started on that. So I thank you, Joe, for the, the inspiration to be able to do that and by providing that. Um, so now that I have an opportunity uh, to give back. And so I challenge Tara, you know, to that as well. And she's got that, that I'm next. Uh, way to give back there and, and Candy uh, and anybody else out there, right? I mean, Candy brought it up that we all have, regardless of our situation, we all have some kind of experience and way to give back, whether that's to your neighbor, a, a veteran, a military spouse, uh, your family member, uh, it doesn't matter who it is. We all have that time to give back. We can find it, um, you know, platforms such as VPMMA, I'm glad you have it on your shirt so I can remember it. Yeah. Um, you know, and Veterati and some of those other platforms that, that uh, you know, bring people together that way um, have made that a little bit easier. Um, but we need, we need mentors to sign up, right? That's There's right. plenty of mentees out there. Yeah. We need mentors yeah. that can pass that on. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we always have more mentees than we do mentors. But the beauty is we've had, I think it's over 34, 35 states now have put mentors forward. So it's a nationwide program. And Candy, I saw your LinkedIn post the other day with Daniel from Veterati, yep. who's also local in Phoenix. He lives in Phoenix, yeah. yeah. And uh, and their drive to increase their mentorship count as well. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, those of us who haven't served in the armed forces doesn't mean we can't serve, right? And this is our opportunity to do that. And it's easy. Yeah, and Very I think easy. just getting the word out there too, because personally, being a mentor is, is a bit of a mentality change because when you come out of the military, you probably aren't 
putting yourself in the position or saying, well, I'm a mentor, but there's so many things and so many traits that you can share with somebody because you are. So I think that you have a lot of mentees because there are probably mentees that could be mentors, but they categorize themselves only as mentees. You know what's funny? I personal, I I the word mentor to me almost I it makes me cringe a little bit because it almost makes it sound like one person is higher than the other person. And here's the deal. In every single context, we all can learn from other individuals, Sure, right? Absolutely. And so let's say you want to be a mentor through PPMA. Awesome. Guess what? You'll learn from the service member's experience. And this is, so this is where I keep coming back to whether it's mentoring, whether it's networking, relationships first and foremost, and what can we all learn with and help each other move forward with. Yeah. I agree. And you might, you might be that uh, you exactly. know, high executive in the corporate America, right? But what it's going to do for you, it's going to show you where your opportunities as a company are, right? It's exactly. I always look at two sides of it. Uh, it's helping our veterans that are transitioning and our spouses like, differentiate, right? Break down those core competencies. What did you do? I, off the top of my head, I don't know any company that's hiring a tank driver in corporate America. However, you know, that, that veteran that did that has some skills from that. Exactly. Um, and everything else that they did during their service, right? And that's one component is how, how do we break that down and, and promote that? Uh, I think that the second side to that is, you know, what, what can the company do to better understand that? You know, if they don't get maybe a perfect resume or if that veteran shows up to that interview and is, is really short and direct and, uh, you know, doesn't fully explain the question, you know, the answers to the questions that they're asked, right? Um, how can the recruiters and hiring managers kind of work through that and, and learn a little bit about, you know, a little bit of military acumen, right? And I think through the mentorship, you know, that's how we both learn on, on exactly. both sides. Like, you know, Candy said it's a, it's a relationship. It's not necessarily right. a mentor and mentee. Um, someone's there to learn something uh, on both sides. Um, and those are the kind of the two ways that I see it there. With the individual helping them translate to corporate and helping corporate translate to what they should be looking for from the service members. And I think what organizations haven't quite picked up on yet is there's a competitive advantage for them to retain a workforce right? Because of the amount that you mentioned, the amount of transitions that occur once they hit civilian workforce. So if I can keep that employee, get them mentoring or coaching, that's going to help them feel more comfortable in the civilian world. I have a better opportunity to advance my company, right? With the resources we have. And they're going to share that. And they're going to share that it worked. And then with the people that they share it with, they're going to try it and it's going to work every single time. Yeah. Turnover is very expensive corporations. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously this is a project management radio show, so I'm slightly biased yeah. and think that, hey, <laughs> uh, project management is a great career, but what do I know? Yeah. You, you guys know better than me. Why is project management a great civilian career for somebody who served? I'll, I'll start with that one. So I, I, you know, I just want to mention some, and I took this from PMI, you know, some of the, the competencies, right, that, that we can break down. Um, we, we can debate them later because some, some of them might be a little iffy, right? Um, on both sides, whether service members have this or not or, or for project managers. But you know, we look at basically 10 of them, right? So we look at people skills, leadership, listening, integrity, ethical behavior, uh, strong at building trust, verbal communication, uh, building teams, conflict resolution, critical thinking, understanding and balances priorities. Uh, if that doesn't speak service member to, to everybody, uh, I don't know what does. Yeah, there might be varying degrees. Uh, you know, does every Marine have the best people skills? I don't know. It depends on what you're talking to, right? You know, I, I wouldn't say that I was a people expert necessarily, uh, but in some ways, maybe, right? When you look at team building and 
and ways to influence and, and lead people into combat, that's huge. You know, you're not going to combat necessarily in the corporate world, but you know, there's, there's tasks that are going to challenge you. And as a, a program and project manager, uh, those are some of the things that you have to accomplish, right? You're working uh, strategic initiatives uh, most of the time uh, within those companies and building those teams out. You're using that, that influence, uh, the critical thinking, problem solving. I mean, that's, to me, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. Right? Yep. We have those, and that's why it's important to break down those competencies. So, you know, personally, I, I've never gotten my certification. However, um, I started my career in brand management in the consumer goods world. And so at Procter & Gamble, and then I came out, this is what got me to Phoenix. I was working at the Dial Corporation um, at the time, managing the Dial body wash business. I remember that I went through, they brought in the project management training, and we went through it as business managers because... And what I've learned over 20 years in corporate, those skills that I learned in that training, I have used them in every single role that I've ever had in corporate America, whether that's working for myself, building, helping clients build their e-commerce, e-commerce businesses, thinking about new activations, because those skills, prioritization, managing risk, understanding how to clearly articulate and communicate risks, understanding shareholders versus decision makers, those are all things that everybody in corporate America, almost every single role can be advanced with those skills. Again, as Craig pointed out, because those are some of the exact skills that the military ingrains in you, it's such a strong translation for any role in corporate America. Yeah, I would agree. And and I'm newer to the project management world. Um, but just coming over here, one of the biggest things is task oriented. So you get a task or you even create a task. Um, and in the military, you get a mission. You get the mission and you execute the mission. And that's kind of the same as project management. You create the project and you execute the project and um, you ensure that it doesn't fail. Yeah. And I've obviously in the corporate world hired, you know, I don't know, hundreds of project managers in my time. And Whenever I see a resume with military experience there, I can I know I can yes. go deeper into yeah. discussions about stressful situations. That's right. Because they've been there, right? I mean, what project are we running in corporate America that's potentially a life and death project? That's right. Not many, right? Now, I did work at Bell Helicopter, and we had to make sure that a helicopter got put together the right way. <laughs> but that's what, there's a special skill that as I've gotten to get, become more ingrained into this community, veterans carry something that we civilians just don't have. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what the label is, but they have it, right? And I don't know in the project management world if, again, for Craig and, and Tara and, and I guess Candy as well, right, is what is that? I mean, what is, is there something there? Am I just observing something or what is, what is it? I think, uh, Joe, you have too many listeners for me to disclose that secret. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after the show. Dude. Yeah, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you know on the side. You know, and I don't know what you call it either, right? But I mean, you look at the skill set and, and they've been honed literally on the battlefields across the world. Uh, and, and that's that's the, the biggest competitive advantage any employer can take advantage of. Uh, take those skills, put them in a position. Of course, they're going to have to learn something, right? If, if you're going into the auto industry, you're running a project there, you might be very good with the process behind the project and, and what needs done and the documentation, all that good stuff, Right. Um, you may know nothing about how a car gets put together or, you know, the piece that you're trying to improve upon. Uh, you, know, you can learn that. All of us have had to learn something new for the first time in our lives, right? Is there anybody that didn't? I, I don't know. Um, I guess it's probably not. Uh, but they can learn that stuff. That stuff can be learned. I think the things that are very hard to learn 
um, and that, that uh, veterans have maybe already learned or, or honed even further are those uh, 10 skill sets or, you know, whatever combination that I just listed there. Those are, are tried and true uh, and they can bring that value instantly to you. And I think if, if you think about it, the age is so young that military members join the military, that they're learning those skills at such an influential age that it probably just sticks with us as well. I joined at 17. So you have people joining at 17, 18, 19, going into battle, leading a team, leading a fire squad, and they're in charge of hundreds of people. And then they come out and then they're in charge of five to 10 people, which to them is nothing because they did it at such a young age. I'm glad you, you mentioned that, uh, Tara. And so you know, I felt the, the same way when I first got out. I was like, man, I'm behind. You know, people that I went to high school with, they were past college. They maybe already, you know, five years in their corporate career uh, or several years. Uh, but then I, I got to the point where I realized, like, no, I'm actually ahead and way ahead. Uh, you know, especially after I, you know, I went to school, I got my degree. You know, I had the formal education component, which is absolutely important. You know, the certifications, degrees, things like that. There's a lot you can take from that. Uh, versus, uh, you know, and, and combine that, you know, with the real world, world experience, of course. Um, but, I, you know, I came to that point where I realized, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm actually ahead because I've had all those experiences already. You know, while you were in college, I was leading teams, uh, you know, 10,000 miles away. Um, I, I was doing that. I was building teams. I was, you know, using those critical thinking skills, things like that. Um, and so I, I think that just, you know, sets them up for so much success. Um, you just add those other components like education and, and some of those you know, on the job training and things, you really hone those further for the business world. Golden. A consistent message I hear when I talk to veterans is the, we always worry about helping them to integrate into the corporate world with culture and communication and terminology. But the one that seems to come up the most is the civilian employees and, and this isn't a knock on corporate America, but they aren't as committed to the end game. They aren't, they don't have a culture of failure is not an option, right? It's the, I'm going to put in my eight hours. I'm going to go home to my family. I'm going to collect my paycheck and I'm going to show up tomorrow and do the same thing over again. But in the military, there you're, you have a different credo, right? You're, you're not just showing up for work every day. Oh yeah. Mission accomplishments, the, the number one thing, right? Uh, and, and I would say, Probably not all people, right? So that's probably the, the unpopular opinion right there, right, Joe? That, um, but, you know, for the most part, yeah, there are some people that just want to do the nine to five. Uh, I mean, call it good and they do great work and, and that's fine, right? Uh, but when you have people that are mission driven, they're going to go above and beyond regardless if they were asked to or not because they just have that exactly. ingrained. They're mission oriented. They're going to do the best work possible. They're going to bring the most people that they need to along with them. Um, and build those, those relationships, rely on each other, build that trust. And that's, I mean, again, it's, it's just a win. So my oldest son is a junior in high school. And next year, he's going to go into the military. He's going to, he's got this uh, All right. this dream. He's going to be a Navy SEAL. We'll see how it works out. We're going to encourage him and see how far he can run with it. But what do you tell, right? Some of our listeners out there are people who don't yet have a career, or there's parents of children who are pursuing <clears throat> the military services. What's your advice for them to help prepare their children for next steps? That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because everybody's different. And actually, I joined the military um, because my dad had a big influence. He was a Marine for 20 years. So Craig's a fan. Um, but <laughs> he no, must be a great guy. Yeah. yeah. No Marine will let their daughter join the Marines. So he made <laughs> me go in the Air Force. But um, 
there's thing there's some things that can be taught and there's some things that can't be taught. And a lot of things are helping the military to build the programs that we're helping so that we don't have to teach it on the front end because you know that when it's your time and you go and you serve, you're going to be ready when it's time to transition out of it. So I would just say stay focused and um, enjoy, have fun and uh, build those relationships because as big as the military is, it's a small military. And so there's somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that you were stationed with, whether it was in the Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Navy, probably not Coast Guard because there's not a lot of them, but um, there's somebody that knows somebody. And so make those relationships and nurture those relationships so that later in your career, you can always reach out to them. You know, I think it's interesting too. It's, you know, we it's always important for every single one of us to be thinking about what is our outcome and next step, right? And so while you're in the military, of course, take advantage of every opportunity for education that exists, right? But I think the other part is if you know that you're separating, do everything that you can and take every advantage. This is why SkillBridge is is such a great opportunity for service members coming out. It won't always work, but where it can work, let's take advantage of it. And that means that commanders, it's important that commanders are approving requests that they get. It's important that service members are aware to ask for the approval. It's important that employers are opening up these roles as opportunities. So that's really important. But I think, you know, the other part is it's not always a linear path. And sometimes I think you know, I work with a lot of student veterans, and sometimes I I see so many student veterans that have come out of the military, and they don't have retirement benefits. And so what they'll do is they'll use their post-9-11 GI Bill benefits to go to school. And then I kind of see this same mindset of, oh, I'll worry about a job when I finish my degree. So it's almost this military school job. I don't think civilian work works like that anymore. And so I think what we really have to be communicating out is, you know, before you get out of the military, think about your next path. If your next path happens to be school as part of your transition, my goodness, internships, exposure, networking, exposure to industry, I mean, so important. Because if you get to the point that you've graduated and you haven't started to build that network to look for jobs, it's too late, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I counsel all student veterans that I work with is always be thinking about that next step. You know, even when it comes to the degree selection that you have, be thinking about, and and there's tons of research that people can pull up, what are the jobs and the location that I want to be in that I should be thinking about? You know, I think the other part for employers to really be mindful of is... Sometimes we think, oh, I only want certain degrees, right? If you have a service member that has a degree in the arts and sciences that may also have a PMP certification or some kind of internship in the technology world, all of a sudden they become infinitely valuable to the organization. So I just think it's important for all of us to kind of, you know, it's not always one step and then the next one. It is, it is a, a bowl of spaghetti sometimes, right? And this is where networking becomes really important. But it's it's starting with the end game, right? So that, that's, that's right. my advice. You know, if a, a parent was sending their son or daughter off, uh, start with the end game. And, and just like project management, right? You start with the end game. What are, at least as what we know today, with the information that we have on hand, what's what's the end goal? You know, starting military service is, is great for any individual. You know, serving others is a, a noble mission, right? And some take that a little bit farther. 
and they serve their communities. Um, it's a very noble mission too. Others, you know, they step up and they serve their country around the globe. Uh, very noble mission. Uh, they're going to pick up so many skills. Uh, and, and my bias, obviously, is to the Marines, you know, best branch out there, right? I think I, I, I got a lot of folks that can agree with me on that. I know Terry agrees with me on that. <laughs> um, however, advice that I, I give folks now is, you know, think about that end game. You know, right. if, if you want to be a doctor, the Marine Corps is not the place for you. There are no doctors in the Marine Corps, right? Uh, you know, if you want to be uh, whatever it is, you know, think, think a little bit about that. Again, same as with in project management, with the information that you have today, make that informed decision. You know, it could always change, right? It's, it's the agile approach to, to project management and the agile approach to life, right? Um, but keep that end game constantly in mind, adjust, adapt, and overcome as needed. Uh, and that, that would be the advice that I would leave, you know, any high school, you know, say junior, senior, you know, when they're contemplating what's next and, and why. I also want to make a very tactical recommendation. <laughs> And this is something that I think all of us would agree on. Um, I think that there is a platform that when we are talking about our professional next steps, how do we network? How do we learn what the transition looks like? How do we learn about jobs that are out there? I highly recommend that anybody that wants to be progressing in their career should be not only on LinkedIn, but taking advantage of this platform and engaging with it. I have literally seen veterans get jobs through their networking on LinkedIn, right? I have personally recommended veterans that I have seen engaging because what it really shows me is that they are leaning in on that next step on engaging with the civilian world. And so these are things that can be done before separation, during skill bridge, post-separation. By the way, veterans and military spouses get a free year of premium. So not working for LinkedIn, let's be clear, but I do think that there is so much on that platform that that can be learned. And I all too often will have veterans reach out asking for help and I'll go to their profile and it's frankly incomplete, right? And they're not engaging. This is such an easy way and anybody can do it literally from anywhere and any time of day. And one suggestion as a, on the corporate side of that is, Use a professional photo on your yes. LinkedIn profile yes. and not, not yes. you in your uniform because yeah. we want to see you outside the uniform, right. right? We want you to... And, um, and there are classes and, I mean, all kind of training to help people get started. But it is... And guess what? There are now LinkedIn military employment influencers, right? Sure. It's, it's an awesome resource. And so I, it's just kind of the... Just an easy place to get started. And, and I'll throw a challenge out to corporate America as well. I've been to and heard of too many military career fairs where they're attaching their name to the event to try to get goodwill and they're actually not hiring, right? They'll go receive 50 resumes of people who are waiting in line, looking for a career, hoping this is the chance and and they're taking advantage of that situation. So military career fairs can be awesome. They can be very productive and they should be, but don't take advantage of that, right? Don't attach your name to something just because you want to get goodwill from it. That was my two-second editorial. Sorry. <laughs> I get very frustrated by those. So I, I guess the another question here is, you know, there's, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000 people who separate from the military each year. I mean, just think of that talent pool that's available. 
How can corporate America tap into that? That is another great question. You know, and, and I think they're still trying to find that answer, right? And yep. it's, um, you know, I, I think for for years, you know, probably you know long ago at this point, uh, it was very hard to tap into that. You know, a lot of the companies weren't allowed on the bases to, uh, you know, engage the the military members for various reasons, right? I mean, they're they're obviously busy doing something, and the ops tempo, uh, you know, has has to play into that. Um, but access, I, I think, was uh, was a big struggle. Um, I don't think that access is is quite that bad uh, these days. You know, there are great platforms out there that a lot of companies are utilizing uh, to reach service members and really any candidate, right? Uh, but they have to be willing to go out there and, and show up uh, in the veteran communities uh, or in those military communities, you know, around those bases, be engaged with that stuff. Um, and, and like Joe, you said, not just put your name on it, but, you know, show up in, in action, right? Action speaks louder than words. Show up and and make sure that you have something that you can offer them. Tell them why. Give them a you know, a, a solid purpose-driven mission. Uh, those are going to be the employers that win. Uh, those are going to be the employers that attract that of talent because that service member is now going to go out there and say, yes, I, I can stand behind this. I, I'm proud to say this is what I do and this is why. Um, these are my customers. You know, this is the, the mission that I support. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's showing up and it's, it's utilizing the veterans and military spouses that might already be there in that company. That's right. And, and you know, that bond is there, right? Um, you know, Tara and I didn't serve together. In fact, we we're in totally different branches, uh, but there's still a bond there. Uh, same with with any, you know, military spouse, veteran, no matter what branch across there, you have a commonality. The companies need to utilize that as a way to get the foot in the door for those service members. Yep. A lot of what I, you know, I, I mentioned before, I think that even just like, I think sometimes service members and veterans aren't quite sure how to navigate the process. I think, again, I mentioned before, I think even employers and what I hear often from my employers is exactly what you said. How do I reach out and connect to to veterans in the community, right? Whether it's through community engagement, hiring services, whatever that looks like. I think there are some really interesting ways that as we as we all kind of innovate, right? In Arizona, we have the Arizona Corporate Council on Veteran Careers, and this is a group of about 30 organizations that that are really focused on hiring and retention. And so, you know, the organizations that I really see succeeding in this area are, to Tara's point, they have really strong veteran business resource groups or veteran employee resource groups. This not only helps drive retention, it also helps communicate to others that may be interested in the organization. This is a good cultural fit for me, right? And not just organizations that include veterans and those in those groups, but it's more like an affinity group. And so that can include veteran spouses, military spouses that often aren't even identified by too many companies, right? That can include supporters of service members. So again, as we think about the vast majority of people that are in the military are legacy military members. The military-civilian divide widens. So every opportunity that a company has to drive collaboration, not just within their veteran community, but to help drive that exposure amongst their employees, civilian and veteran, is really important. SkillBridge, again, I cannot say it enough. SkillBridge opportunities are such a critical opportunity for employers to, to really show how supportive they are. Again, it's DOD funded. It makes really good business sense. But I think on the back end, you know, there are some really strong, as we think about those veterans that may not be SkillBridge eligible, that maybe they needed some time to decompress after they got out of the military. Um, there are some 
many, many wonderful ways to engage on the community front in very meaningful ways. You know, I'll give <clears throat> I'll give props to USA for a second. Every single veteran event that I go to, I see somebody from USAA there, right? It's it's a recognition of we want to be out serving the community. There are organizations that are doing <clears throat> amazing work connecting with the community, right? <clears throat> Team Red, White, and Blue that I see on the back of your computer, computer. Team Rubicon, Vetix. These are not these are not necessarily employment focused organizations, but these are organizations that are that are driving community impact at this individual level. Organizations getting involved locally with their local efforts makes a huge difference. Yeah, and, and social media tying into all that. Absolutely. You mentioned LinkedIn, right? The Team Red, White, Blue has got Facebook pages in every That's community. Right. Uh, I was fortunate enough to run the Marine Corps Marathon um, with Team Red, White, and Blue, which was an amazing experience when we got to D.C. and had the kind of the pre-race dinner talk about uh, energy and getting motivated. Right. That was was an amazing event. So a lot of great discussion today, variety of topics. But a lot of it's been about the past and about the current. So what about the future, right? What are, what are some of those future skills that we in this conversation can kind of help educate folks with? What do they need to be looking at? What do they need to do? So I think, you know, I'll just start with, you know, as service members are preparing for that next step, education is really important. Exposure and networking is really important certifications are really important. And so it's, I think it's the, the really awesome combination of all those that I really see making a difference for, for finding work. But, but, you know, a PMP certification, when I see that on a resume, really tells me that, that a service member has gone the extra mile. I also think, again, as we look at our own macro workforce needs, this is an area that technology, robot, like all those areas we have to be thinking about. How do we help? We had this amazing pipeline coming out and how do we at a macro level help drive to make sure that service members are, are funneling into those jobs, if you will, that are in high demand. They have the skills. So then how do we macro level help drive the back end of that? Again, it is never too early to be start to start thinking about our next steps. We all individually do it. And I think, you know, again, whether it's a sort of, even if you're in a job, an extra certification to Craig's point can make a huge difference in a promotion, right? So to me, it's all about the networking relation. And again, in the context of a relationship and what is that extra step of learning and engaging that may help to propel me forward? I would agree. And in the society that we live in now, technology is huge. And so the biggest thing that I did in the last year was branding. And so I think going forward in the future, we have to teach veterans how to do a better job of branding themselves. Um, and, and that's a struggle because you come from the military where it's like, don't expose everything. Yeah. We have to keep things at a level of secrecy so that others don't know. Um, but when you talk about being in the civilian world, it is so important to be able to brand yourself and not just bragging about yourself, but you do have to, as a veteran, put yourself out there, make a community impact, be an influencer yourself. Um, but branding is, is top of the list for me. Yeah, I would, I would agree with both those. And I, it's my belief that some of the softer skills uh, are going to be the, some of the skills of the future, right? There's 
it was, there's a lot of these other skills uh, and a lot of the, the technical stuff that can be learned. Um, you know, there's plenty of certifications and formal, other formal education, uh, on the job training. You can seek out that stuff and get that if you want. Uh, but in the future, we're going to need people that can see the big picture, right? We're going to need innovators, strategic thinkers, uh, you know, influencers, people that have those skills. Um, I, I, I believe are going to be the true winners, um, in a, in a day where, you know, there's a ton of resources and, and learning opportunities and things out there, you know, we can all go out there and take the same class pretty much instantly, right? There's a lot of on-demand right. stuff. And, but what's going to separate those individuals is going to be those soft skills that they bring to the table. And can you act those out um, on a daily basis, right? You know, <clears throat> it's interesting based on what you both just said. I think one of the things that I see too many veterans and service members struggling with is what is the elevator pitch? So literally in eight seconds, what is the value not your rank, right? <laughs> Not the rank you were in the military, but what is the value that you could provide to the civilian workplace? And I think that is something for every single one of us that is constantly evolving, right? And so I think it is just this recognition of like, what is my value? How do I articulate that very clearly, again, without using a military rank? And I think that helps to kind of translate all those great skills that we all know that veterans have, but how do we always translate that in newer and better ways to make sense? Again, companies have to drive value. They have they have a business problem to solve. They have to make money. And so every single one of us have to articulate our value in that context. Agreed. And I'd like to, to make a plug just for two books here that you mentioned you have eight seconds. So there's literally a book called You Have Eight Seconds. <laughs> Fantastic read to, you know, kind of get you on that mindset. Uh, whether, you know, you're speaking, uh, you know, pre presenting to executives, per, you know, yep. you're the, the keynote speaker, you're on the radio, you're in the elevator. Um, and I think another one that, that really did a lot for me uh, that I would highly recommend and can almost guarantee uh, that it's going to change the way you look at things if you haven't already read it. Uh, if you have read it, hopefully you've already made those changes is Never Eat Alone. So again, never eat alone. Great read. Uh, it's going to really dive down deep in that relationship with, you know, relationship piece there with you. Um, how do you do that? What are the opportunities? What makes that easier? It gives you the strategy and actionable advice on how to go out and make that happen. I'm going to add one more book. So what got you here won't get you there. So you got out, you did your time. What's going to take you to the next steps to land that job that you want? Yeah. And another, and again, I don't, I'm not a veteran, so I can't speak to this, right? But when I, in the context of life and the circles that I travel, I I don't carry around this badge of I'm a civilian, no. right? I'm a Textron alumni. I, like, I don't carry those things. Like, But everybody who's a veteran has that something, that bond, right? Because they all did serve. They all have that commonality. And it's easily identifiable for us in the civilian workforce to know that. And I'm a big believer in, right, I'm not giving out handouts, but I am putting my hand out to help you, right? And we as civilians, and now you guys are, you carry both hats, right? You're civilians and you're veterans. What's that connection in the civilian life that you wear both those hats that you can say as a civilian, what do I see differently to help people like me who never served in the armed forces to understand what it's like? Because ultimately, I, that's what I want this show to come down to, right? What do, what do we need to know that we can do to help veterans 
in the civilian workforce now when they're wearing that civilian hat? I think what's important for me is civilians understanding that it's not that easy. Um, You have a lot of people that can put on a cover or put on a show or pretend that it's easy. And then you don't know what they're feeling like when they go home. So, um, and, and not to get too dark, but we talk about suicides all the time. Um, we can have a job and we can look like we have everything together, but it's important for civilians to watch out for those signs and to check on your friend and to make sure that they're okay because coming from the military and hearing the language that you hear and, and, and transitioning into corporate America and having to completely change that, that is a struggle for a lot of people. And so I think just having that understanding that when we do go into interviews and you ask me a question and I answered the question and you didn't like it, but I thought I gave you the answer because I, I answered what you asked, but you're telling me that I'm too direct. I only know how to be direct because I answered the question that you gave me. So understanding things like that, um, I think would help make a difference and, and help people feel more accepted because sometimes veterans can feel like they're isolated because I'm not like anybody else around me. I might look like them. I work like them. Everybody thinks I work hard, but I, I don't have the same feelings internally that that everybody else has. Yeah, you know, the movie Saving Private Ryan's great movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's not necessarily the military. Right. Uh, we have to, as civilians, we have to be intentional, intentional, uh, intentional about seeking out those opportunities to learn a little bit about the military, right? Um, you know, we mentioned earlier and spoke around it, how the military is trying to see what the business world's doing, right? And we're actively seeking that out um, and that, that civilians aren't necessarily doing it. I think by doing that, you know, whether you're attending an air show, you're talking with a veteran, you know, mentoring them, anything that you can learn is going to help you understand the military a little bit better and, and what the service member themselves is going through because that's what's important, the individual there. Um, but it, it's also going to give you just that that greater look on it and how that all fits in and how you can better welcome them into the community, whether it's, you know, literally like your home community or your business community, uh, whatever that happens to be. Uh, but we have to be intentional about that. Well, I think that sums it up great and amazingly, right? We're out of time. We're at our hour here. But I, what I want to do before we sign off, of course, is give each of you a last opportunity uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Or if there are any groups or, or organizations that you're part of that you want to share, any events or anything coming up, last chance to share that with the listeners. So, Candy, we'll start with you. Oh, awesome. You know, I'll just go back to, I'm on LinkedIn. I accept all connection requests. I, there's not a single one that I turn down because if service members and veterans and military spouses are on LinkedIn, that means that they are interested in just learning from other people. And so again, if anybody would like to, to reach out to me, Candy Tillman with a K and an I, super easy. And again, what I really seek to do for myself is what are organizations and corporate partners that are working really strongly to support veteran employment and veteran t- retention and to help amplify that, to help look for new opportunities. Um, and so basically, I want to connect service members to meaningful work. I just think it's one of the ways that we can do so much more than saying thank you for your service. And Tara? Yeah, um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I also accept all friend requests. So Tara Thrash, and um, I am big on doing things for the community. And so I did tell um, my friend Paula Padin that I was going to mention her organization. It's called Honoring Arizona 
honoring Arizona's veterans. They put on the Veterans Day Parade, which is the one of the largest ones in the company. And so this year I have the honor of being on the committee because I have a lot of veteran friends that were actually already on the committee. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, they can also reach out to me. But yes, LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. That's great. Correct. Well, I don't, I don't want to be repetitive, but uh, <laughs> I bet LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, good guess. Uh, LinkedIn's you know, probably the, the best way uh, you know, so that we can be connected. I'm interested in the content that other folks are providing, and hopefully my content right. helps out a little bit. Um, you know, something else, uh, another initiative that we're trying to do to, to help foster some of these relationships. There's a, a group on LinkedIn called Vets Meet Phoenix. Uh, February 5th will be our, our first one to kind of start and get going with that. Uh, really, all, all you know, it's, it's no business sponsor. There's no other individual sponsors, no expectations, no guarantees. Uh, it's about building relationships okay. and building community. The more that we can come together, uh, you, you'd be surprised at the things that that'll happen. And I know great things are going to come of that. Um, you know, as we do those, get those relationships going, build those partnerships, um, great, great things are going to happen here in Phoenix, uh, more so than they already are. So that's how you find me. That's awesome. Well, thank you all three of you so much for being here and, and talking about this important topic. I still feel like we just scratched the surface and we could have got a lot deeper. So yeah, if you have about six knows? more hours, so. yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, today. We, we always like uh, in November around Veterans Day to, to have a, a show about veterans. So maybe we'll have one or all of you back and we can chat some more about all this. Uh, of course, thank you to my listeners for joining us today. Reminder that the shows are recorded, so subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, whatever it may be. And then also a reminder that April 19th will be the first annual VPMMA golf tournament. We would love to have you sign up as a golfer, a volunteer as well. Obviously, putting on a golf event takes a lot of hands, so we'd love that assistance. And if your organization uh, loves to support military causes and veteran causes, uh, we'd love to have your sponsorship as well. So please reach out to um, me, Joe Puzz, or you can also go out to our website, thevpmma.org slash golf, and you'll see that golf event out there. Also, of course, want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Uh, we mentioned a lot today about purpose on the show. And of course, the PMO squad is home of the purpose-driven PMO. If you don't start with why, then it really doesn't matter how or what you do. Uh, have purpose in your life and have purpose in your PMO. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Mm-hmm.